0: Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were
1: missing,
0: featuring at least three different books every week, starring Martha Steele, the weirder the book,
1: the better,
0: Megan Runyon, reading YA, and whatever her current fixation is. These people are passionate about books maybe a little too passionate, plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls.
2: The other thing I've been obsessed with lately is the idea that if me of 1995 saw some of the things that I am seeing today, how would I react?
1: I'd still be asking where the flying cars are.
2: Well,
0: yeah. You want to know something weird? Hmm. Now, okay, so Forbes has an article and I don't, I used my five free of the year, so I couldn't see the article, but it said that Subaru made a flying car. They, d- uh, I don't know if it was Subaru,
2: but I, I know that there is a flying car that's going to come on the market at the end of this year, but you can't drive it in traffic. Then what's the point? See,
0: uh, well, how would you drive it in traffic? Because nobody knows any rules for flying cars yet.
1: That's true. Well, like I mean. who has right of way? <laughs> the
2: whole, exactly. The whole The whole point of having a driving car, I would think, my God, Pat, your hair is huge tonight. Look at that
1: hair. <laughs> my, my hair is about six inches shorter. It oh. is. Yeah. It's very fluffy tonight. You have, you have some
2: serious volume going on there. That's it why. Is fresh, fresh
3: from the
1: salon. Ah, wow. I, because I'm
3: going to have to, I'm going to have to wig up for this next show and that was too much hair to even begin to get under a So Uh, I
2: am always so envious of how thick your hair is. Seriously. Ridiculous. (laughs)
1: Can I have half of that? Like just (laughs) attach it to my head.
2: Have you guys ever bought a pair of Spanx pants? Not leggings, pants. They're like black pants.
1: No. No.
0: Not from Spanx, no.
1: Those can't be comfortable. Spanx aren't made to be comfortable. Well... I can't imagine having it on my whole body.
0: No, but they make different things now. I mean, because Oprah swears by them and says they're the most comfortable thing ever.
2: Hmm, okay. But anyway, I did see those Spanx on there, and I was like, I wonder if those are comfortable because, I mean, I love leggings. I think my leggings are the most comfortable thing in the world.
1: Um, Sometimes.
2: But I saw those Spanx ones, Spanx pants, and they look more like... um. Like a flared legging, almost.
1: Those are just called yoga pants. No. Yes, yoga pants. Okay, I you're sounding very Gen Z with your flared leggings. They were just yoga pants. The original yoga pants. for 118 dollars anymore,
0: Megan. I know because they're
1: not just for yoga. I know, but for 118, like my kids wear
0: them all the time. 118
2: dollars yeah. for Spanx pants. No. Yeah. And I'm thinking. These fucking pants must be magic. It might be.
0: Have I... you ever gone to Skims? That's Kim Kardashian's line, and they're even more expensive. Mm-mm. No, thank you.
1: Nope. Although I would probably feel like I'm not as fat as I feel if I had a pair of those on. But then I would, but I, I, I don't think, I mean, I'd want jeans still, though, and then I'd be heavy layered. Because I'd have, like, spanks <laughs> pants <laughs> on with my jeans and that would just be too damn much no they're not meant
2: to be layered Megan okay, okay. <laughs> the, the whole idea of them is to wear them without have something on the outside that that makes your body look like yeah I think if they're truly
3: comfortable then they probably don't compress you any more than an ordinary pair of
0: leggings, might. True. Yeah. Stop. Not all spanks anymore is compression. Like, a lot of the Spanx now is getting into lounging and, like, comfort Oh, wear.
1: Uh, Really? Yeah. You know who doesn't need Spanx? Who? Dolly Parton, rocking up to the halftime yeah. show last night. Did Damn. She have, uh, you know, crazy. I looked at
2: her and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that woman has a midriff to die for. Did she not have any kids? She yeah. does have kids, doesn't she? Mm-mm. There's no way she had kids with that body. She's also Dolly no, Parton and could have more plastic than her surgery. her husband
1: ever had kids. Oh, they might not have. I don't think they did. They might not have. Yeah, I think I think she's
3: been pretty career dedicated her yeah. whole
1: yeah. life. Yeah. I yeah. just I was saw it and I was like, well, I as then I eat shit all day today. I was like, shit, I need a damn, Dolly at 77 just kicking my yep. ass. I mean, she had she a bodysuit on, but still, like she didn't look like she had a bodysuit. Well, on. it wasn't like a bodysuit. It was just like a like sheer. Like she wasn't oh, like bare stomach. I
2: thought that was a bare midriff.
1: No, because it had like glitter, close. like jewels on it and oh, stuff. But yeah. still, like I was like, "Damn, Dolly! Right before Christmas, you're gonna make us all feel like sh- <laughs> like shit." <laughs> I mean, we still love you, Dolly. We love you with all our hearts. <laughs> I saw somebody on TikTok was like eating one of the hostess like Christmas tree cakes and she's like watching Dolly Parton on the <laughs> halftime show and she's like spitting out the cake. <laughs> she's like, she's like, never mind. I don't need it.
3: <laughs> kind of like seeing uh, on the Thanksgiving parade yesterday with Cher. Oh my, and, oh oh my God. God. Yes.
1: Yeah. It was like the women of the seven, like in their 70s, like revolution of TV yesterday. Well, yeah. Cher, I mean,
2: that woman has been having plastic surgery since she was what oh 20
1: my mom said my mom said (laughs) the exact same thing
2: but but plastic
3: surgery doesn't give you skinny little hips like that I mean some sort you can you can make some minor adjustments but you don't have that body just for plastic surgery yeah
2: that's true but I mean it's pretty obvious that that woman is mostly plastic
1: uh, in the
2: face anyway
1: yeah, because she hasn't aged since I was. I know three. She looks like <laughs> yeah.
2: She looks like twenty years younger than me, and she's what seventy five.
1: Uh, yeah, her and Something Dolly like, are close yeah. in age. I think.
2: You know what freaked me out, and I I said this to Megan the other day. Keith Richards, right? Everybody pulls him up as the oldest guy. Guess who's older than Keith Richards?
1: Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> well, yes, but <laughs> not quite who we were aiming for. And still performing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Joe Biden
2: can you believe oh, Keith Richards is younger than fucking Joe Biden
0: Keith Richards isn't super old it's that he looks so old like because he's been ridden hard and put away wet yeah but he is old <laughs>
2: he's 79
3: yeah
0: but I mean he's, people done. Have been the fact making
3: that he's still of alive point. is is like an argument against everything every doctor ever well, tell yeah, yeah that's that's
0: accurate too He's yeah. just taking I mean that's the thing is that he's just he's looked old for so long. Yeah. Like yeah, that's even true. when he was in his early sixties, he looked like he was
2: I only looked it up because there was uh, an article in the news about the Rolling Stones touring again. And I'm like, you know what? When I saw them back in the nineties, they were old. And I'm thinking, how can how can that possibly be a good thing for anyone involved?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Great question. I suspect
3: the answer has a lot to do with money.
2: Yeah. 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 I suspect you are correct there, Pat. That's why Daryl Hall and John Oates are bickering at the moment, I'm sure.
1: Oh, yeah. They're suing each other. No. Oates is suing Suing Hall.
2: And he got a restraining order out against him.
1: So no (laughs) Hall and Oates reunion tour? No,
2: actually, actually, I saw in the news today... That Hall was performing all the songs at his show last night. Without? Without Oats.
1: oats. All, all I'm seeing, like, Hall's cough drops and, like, Quaker <laughs> Oats, like, in a feud. Yeah, that <laughs> is kind of. Someone uh, make that, like, that cartoon of <laughs> Hall's. And, I know it's Hall's, but, like, Hall, Hall, Hall Hall's and Oats, oats fighting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Coughing on the oatmeal. Yeah. So did you guys do any Black
0: Friday shopping today? No. I did all mine this week.
1: Really? Oh, nice.
0: Black Friday isn't the same anymore. No,
1: no, it isn't. The mall here was packed. We I drove by it on the way to the studio, and then Martha and I drove by it on the way to dinner, and I have not seen the mall that packed
2: in years. No, neither have
1: I. Years. It was bumper to bumper. People were circling the parking lot trying to find parking. We went to dinner and then we went to Ulta. So technically Martha did Black Friday shopping. I did. Yes. I went to, um, we went to Ulta.
2: Yeah. We went to Ulta.
1: Oh, that was so Keith. Uh, so Martha was buying lipstick and stuff. Am I the uh, Keith or Pat? Do you have a lipstick favorite? Do you wear lipstick regularly?
0: Mine's I Nars or wear it wear on stage. I
1: hate lipstick. <laughs> Pat, so Pat, Hey, what did Keith, what did you say?
0: NARS orgasm.
1: What <laughs> is that a brand? Nars is the brand okay. and the color is orgasm. That's amazing. See, I told you somebody else
2: wore lipstick. She's like, "Oh, we don't want to talk about that. Nobody wears lipstick." And I'm like, "Yes, we
1: do." She got like I mean, one I don't of those... wear it that often, but She got one of those lip plumper things that makes your lips all fucking tingly. <laughs> Uh, Megan doesn't like I don't like it. I don't like
0: that.
1: Megan (laughs) was like wiping her lips off. (laughs) I was trying like every (laughs) lip gloss (laughs) in the place trying to get it off. I was like, no. I don't like it. I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like it.
2: (laughs) Megan got very triggered by the uh, (laughs) the lipstick. And as we were talking about Black Friday, I just realized there was something in my cart.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Better check out.
2: That is like... Significantly cheaper
1: It's okay though
2: It's okay
0: Martha's shopping <laughs> it's a yeah. podcast. Uh podcast You know it's probably still going on tomorrow It's probably true You think?
1: Yeah Yeah All And right. then Monday Because Cyber Monday
0: Yeah but Monday won't be as good I just don't want to lose this well, do These the, deals Do the one
2: Alright I'm checking out Alright Sorry <laughs> I just realized I had shit in my cart. If we ever go on tour, like in in a, an alternate universe where we are so popular that we could book a hall of that size,
1: I would die dead, and I would make sure I hung our picture on the wall. <laughs> Oh, well, that's high praise. I would put it right next to Harry Styles. <laughs> very, very high <laughs> praise for Megan putting our picture on the wall. I, I would. I would go right next to Harry Styles at the T of the two hallways because then oh, everybody would see it. Oh, my God. Yep. Ugh. That's where I know exactly where I'd be like, this is where this is going. On the T between the pink wall and the blue wall. Okay. Maybe we should move forward with some possible
2: reviewing. Of books and whatnot.
1: Yeah. do I? Uh, am I first because Bonnie's not here?
2: Megan loves it when she gets to go first. And she it's gets
1: all super excited about it. Well, and I have historical fiction this week. So it kind of oh. goes together. Dun, dun, dun. Amazing. In my book. Uh, so this week I am reviewing Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Bully. And this is the second book by her. The first one I reviewed a while back. It was Firekeeper's Daughter. Is it a sequel? It's not a sequel, but it's the same universe. Okay, good. Because if it was a sequel, I would have to boob punch you right No, it is not a sequel. Okay. Different characters. Uh, So we have Pauline and Perry, and they are twin sisters, and they are from the Ojibwe tribe, and they are in Michigan. And Perry is kind of the free spirit of the two Pauline is very like I'm gonna get all the grades and I'm gonna go to college and I'm gonna have my whole life planned and Perry's like I just want to go fishing off the dock (laughs) see you later so that's kind of their vibe and they have an internship program that the children of the tribe participate in in the summer and Pauline is like super excited she's all in Perry is like absolutely not I'm spending my summer fishing f this noise And then Perry is driving somewhere and a mom and her bear cub walk out in front of her and she's speeding. And so to avoid hitting the bear cub, she ends up like off the side of the road and kind of tears up the car. So her aunt finds out because they have to tow the car. And the aunt is basically like, I will fix your car, but you're going to work all summer to pay pay me back. And she's like, damn it. So the aunt puts her in the internship program. So that's kind of like the kickoff to our story. And she starts off as an intern at the museum. And Coop, I believe his name is Cooper. I meant to write it down. I'm pretty sure it's Cooper. Is the curator at the museum. And he's trying to kind of teach her the way of things. And he gets her involved with the acquisition of Native artifacts from Mackinac College I think it's called college university whatever and so because basically in 1990 there was a law passed and I thought I wrote it down hang on let me find it because I want to say it right please pause pause uh, <laughs> I wrote the abbreviation down, but I didn't write. wish we there. had
2: elevator music that we could play for these little interludes. And every, <laughs> every once in a while, it would just go ding, 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 ding. Okay, we're back
1: now. And we're back. Mm-hmm. All right. So in 1990, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act was passed. And what this law did was saying any museum in the U.S. or any collection that receives federal funding has to inventory and work with the local tribes or the tribes in general that the artifacts belong to to get them back to the tribe so that can be things like moccasins any type of regalia anything that can be specifically tied to a tribe so not like arrowheads and things like that but kind of ceremonial things and uh, shocker, a whopping 31% of the museums in this country are currently compliant with said law. Because I went down a deep, dark rabbit hole. Of <laughs> co- of course you did. I got so deep into this because this book made me so mad. And why that's important is because that's what they're working for in this book. That the museum curator and um, Perry are trying to work with the museum. And they have 13 ancestors officially identified as Ojibwe in this story. And so they're trying to get the college to give them back their ancestors and their their regalia. So Perry is as impatient as hell. Like she does not want to play the red tape game. She's like, give us our stuff back, give us our ancestors back, or I'm going to make your life hell. And of course the museum curator's like, slow your roll. Because we have to do this the right way. But Perry has some sticky-ass fingers. So when they are in places, she will just sneak things out of this professor's collection that has not been inventoried ever, and it should have been inventoried in 1999, and this book takes place in... 2000, or in 1990, this book takes place in 2014. And so she takes it upon herself to just start stealing the stuff back. First, it starts with like pumpkin seeds out of a basket. And then they have these, I think they call them ash baskets that they make. And each one, each person that makes them has their own kind of signature and stuff. So she starts trying to like steal the stuff back. And then, of course, gets caught with the pump about the pumpkin seeds because she accidentally tells Cooper that she took the pumpkin seeds. So she gets fired from her internship with the museum. So she kind of gets bounced around. Um, and in the, at the same time that all of this is trying to happen with the museum, we have a large number of missing Native women. So it's really hitting all of the like current day topics that are important to the tribes that don't get a lot of public attention. And so every time she goes into her break room, there's a new missing poster. Like they f- have like a formula. They have this like a saved template and they just add in whoever's missing now. Uh, So she starts kind of paying attention to that. And as they're going, they end up looking at this guy named Lockhart, and he owns, and he is a white man, and he owns a huge chunk of the south end of this island. And he also owns a tourist shop slash museum. And her, her and her love interest go to the museum and find all kinds... They find moccasins, and he technically is not a museum receiving federal funding, so he's not required to abide by this 1999 or 1990 law. She gets all upset. She ends up doing some things there that are highly not legal, and that kind of creates a rift between her and her friend because he's on probation, and he's like, I can't be caught with you doing shit because I don't want to go to jail. But basically... It's just the story of this tribe trying to get their remains of their ancestors back. And there's one, and the reason it's called warrior girl and you learn this early on is there's one set of remains that's not identified or connected to any tribe. And that's kind of Perry's like kicking off point is that she wants to identify the warrior girl Ah. and wants to bring her home because she's like, I'm sure she's ours. We just, they won't let us prove it because they don't want to give her up. And so it's the story of the, the struggle of returning artifacts to their proper places and remains to be reburied and her journey. And what I like about Perry is that she's not a perfect character. You know how you read stories and they're like, oh, she does everything by the book and everything goes perfectly. And you kind of there are times when you're like, Perry, if you don't put your goddamn hands in your pocket in this story and stop taking shit, you're going to make this worse. <laughs> yes. And so I appreciate that they play her kind of, she's written as a teenager who's pissed off and is like, I'm going to do it my way because these adults are just taking too goddamn long. I'm going to handle it. And so there, there's a whole scheme um, around Lockhart and his property and things that may or may not be on his property. And I don't want to give any spoilers because it's like a holy shit moment. Um, So there's a big scheme with Lockhart and how he connects to everybody was really cool and how the story of the missing women in town all ends up connecting to different people that you meet throughout the story. And I literally read the 2022 Congress, because committee like laws and bills like this have to report to Congress every year and have like an official report. And I read the whole damn thing because I wanted to know and UC Berkeley is the highest offender of universities and museums with, I think it was like 6,000 sets of remains that have not been returned to the tribes that they belong to. Wow. Jeez. Mm. And it blew my mind. Even one of my friends, I sent it to her cause I was reading it she's like, what are you looking at? Cause I was on the phone with her and I, I was like, I'm reading this Congress report on, on NAGPRA. And she was like, wait, what? Send it to me. And so we were both trying to like decode it. But essentially, 31% of the museums in this country are compliant with the law that was passed in 1990. And it made me pissed off because give the shit back where it belongs. I'll get off my soapbox now. Uh, but I just... <laughs> do not piss this girl off. She's. Well, it, it's just, it's things <laughs> I you don't I necessarily think about because it's not something we're exposed to every day. And, I mean, Egypt has been fighting the same fight for years, trying to get their sarcophaguses back and their mummies back and all the things that were looted out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. So it's, mm-hmm. it's the same tale but on the home front, so to speak. And it's been a big, big month for me of being pissed off and ready to, like, rally the troops for our local natives and learning lots of things and researching a lot of things. And this book was great. I give it five stars. I loved it. She just weaves such a great story and her characters are always compelling because they're so dimensional and she does reference back to the characters in the first book but they're not to the point that you have to, you could read this one and not read the other one if that makes sense. So I highly recommend it and if you want to learn more about NAGPRA, please feel free because you'll learn a lot and then you'll be mad like I was for hours. Angeline Booley is like an... I don't even know. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. It's like a must-buy. As soon as a book comes out, I'm like, give me the book. Just give me the book. And that is Warrior Girl Unearthed by Angeline Booley.
2: That sounds riveting. It It does. And infuriating.
1: Yeah. I literally wrote down, Lockhart is a piece of shit (laughs) in my...
2: (laughs) God, Megan, just (laughs) express yourself. Stop missing words.
1: My mom was like, because I had my reading journal out the other day when I was at the house reading. She's like, do you take notes when you're reading? And I was like. Do you kiss your mother with that mouth? No, she didn't see this page. But I was like, yeah, because I can't <laughs> remember people's names. And it. All right. Moving right
2: along, we can see what Keith has been up to.
0: So the book I am reviewing this week is called Leslie fucking Jones My <gasps> Leslie Jones. Ooh, <laughs> woo! Leslie fucking Jones. And that's really what it's called. That's awesome. (laughs) I love that. Um, So for people that don't know, Leslie Jones is a Black comedian. And she was on SNL for a number of years. And then she was in the all-female cast of Ghostbusters. And she's really popular on like YouTube and stuff. And I've always been an avid follower of her career because i really i i really enjoy her i think she's just hysterical and she just does not pull any punches she just tells you exactly how it is she hosted the daily show last last week hysterical she's so funny when she is getting pissed at politicians and stuff
1: she's great i loved her
0: yeah she's she's amazing and her book So the print book is 288 pages. It is not a very long book. However, if you listen to it on Audible, and that is how I listen to it, there are five plus additional hours of what they call bonus footage. And it's basically her looking at the book, and I've seen her do interviews about her book, and she has said that this is exactly what happened she reads her own book and they said to her okay we're going to have you read your own book and instead of reading her own book she like looks at the chapters and then it's like okay okay yo like this is how it went and then she just tells you the story and sometimes she goes off on tangents and is like oh but but wait like listen like this isn't in the book but you got to <gasps> know this like this guy and this thing <laughs> i might have to um,
2: i might have to pick that audiobook up now that you've said that and
0: I mean, she she uh, is very uh, she she swears a lot. So I mean, don't be listening to this with your kids in the car or anything. She tells, I mean, it's a memoir, so she tells about her her childhood and growing up, and her family, and about her career. And I mean, her, she really didn't take off. Um, her career didn't take off until she was like in her forties. So, I mean, she wasn't like, it wasn't something where she'd been like really famous for a long time. She just has the best stories and she has so many times when she goes off and says things like just goes off and talks about like when she realized that she was a black girl and that black people were different than white people Uh, When she realized that people didn't necessarily all like black people. I mean, it's really interesting to listen to the story she has. And let me also tell you, for people that don't know, she is, I think she, I think she might be six foot. If not, she's very close. She is very tall. She's very tall. Yeah. I mean, I don't talk about people's breasts all that often. She has the most magnificent breasts I've ever seen. She is tall and statuesque and gorgeous. And she talks so much about how she came to realize that she could be beautiful, even though she was a black woman. And I mean, it's just and the things she said, like they just ring true for. I mean, obviously, I'm a white woman, so a lot of it. I don't have the same history that she has, but so many of her stories like just ring true for anything. I mean, like listening to the first time her mother brought her to see a woman who was actually from Africa and that woman telling her that she was gorgeous and that she would be beautiful. And now Leslie does that for every young fan, every young girl that comes up to her, she makes a point to take time and to tell that little girl like you are gorgeous. Someday you will move mountains. Like Aww. so, I mean, she and she, man, the stuff that she she I mean, she was crying in parts, talking about some of the things she did as a child. I mean, she is not a perfect person. I mean, she messed up pretty bad in some things. And a and she did a lot of really messed up things as a child it when she was acting out because she didn't understand things that were going on in her life and this is not like some sugar-coated like book i mean she talks about how she was she knew for years she was worth more as a comedian than they were paying her and that she would get up in people's faces to try and make it happen and She talks about how SNL was really whitewashed for a long, long period of time. Mm -hmm. And she basically got a job because they had Kerry Washington on as a host. And Kerry Washington had to play every black part. And they were like, we need to get a black woman on this show. Jesus. Her stories are amazing. She is hysterical while she does it. And if you listen to Audible, I mean you get so much more. I have both. I have Audible and I had Kendall Unlimited. And if you try to, I have Whisper Sync, so it like will if I'm listening on Audible, it'll take me to where I left off in the book. And my Whisper Sync was like, yo, I'm confused. <laughs> like it's like, I don't know where you're at. I, I don't know what's happening. Because and I so because there was so much stuff that was so different, there was just so much more when she was telling. I mean, I honestly think she just started telling stories. It's more like listening to a podcast than listening to someone read a book, honestly.
1: Oh, that's awesome. But
0: that was one of the things I really loved about it. So, I mean, if you just want to read some really sweet stories, some really like motivating stories and you want to hear somebody swearing a whole lot and being really, really funny while they're doing it. That book was Leslie fucking Jones by Leslie Jones. I will say That's fucking fantastic.
1: I was so nervous when they rebooted Ghostbusters just cause like I grew up on the original. She yeah. made that movie. I haven't seen it yet. Cause and, I'm so and far Christ- behind. It was, and it was oh. so much
0: better than I thought it would be too. Agreed. Honestly.
1: I walked out of that movie like, that's how you do a reboot. I mm-hmm. felt as a kid who grew up, like, you know, mid-80s, early 90s, and Ghostbusters was, like, a core part of my, like, TV viewing, I mm-hmm. left that movie, like, they nailed it, and she was a huge part of how awesome that movie was. Like, I
3: agree. There, that movie got so much hate from people who yeah. were just opposed to women trying to do something like
0: that. Well, but It's the and bros, she did, man. She had a really hard time getting a dress for the premiere to yes. a movie she starred in because... Nobody wanted to dress her.
1: I do remember Ugh. that, and she's people just are dicks. Well, and I think that was kind of, I mean, now that Marvel has you know more female centered movies, but that was kind of one of the first out the gate female centered movies, and that was kind of when the the dude bros like reared their ugly yeah. heads about like yeah. female centric.
0: Because right movies. around then they did Oceans Eight mm-hmm. and they did Ghostbusters both at the same time and yep. people just went crazy. They were like, How dare you like take all the men out? That's not fair. What? And I'm like
1: Yeah. Well, the, then movies they made... that were...
0: the the movies that came this came from were all male casts. Yeah. I mean, it's fine when you do it. Well then they... exactly. And it, it's not.
2: exactly it's fine when you do it. Yeah. All right. Moving forward pat what did you bring to the table today
3: i am taking us time traveling into the past for some classic science fiction Ooh,
2: Ooh. i love classic I, science fiction
3: i read downward to the earth by robert silverberg and this was what was actually neoclassic silverberg is a is a big time author he is one of the grand official grand masters of science fiction i've read a number of other short stories and novels by him through the years, and he's very, very good. He's just a flat-out good writer, not just a good sci-fi writer. He's a good writer. So, "Downward to the Earth," which I listened to the audio version, and interestingly, and and very, uh, very much a, a plus for it, is narrated by Bronson Pinchot, not doing any funny voices, not being some.
2: He's a really, really uh, good narrator i've heard him do some other things but i'm surprised he's doing classic science fiction it's cool yeah they didn't
3: produce the audiobook till about 10 years ago oh okay Um, so you know obviously they weren't doing them back then Mm -hmm. but yeah he does a very nice job with the narration so the story takes place on a planet that has been known as holman's world and has recently been renamed belzegar uh, out of and this here are Megan and me on the same psychic wavelength again. Oh no! A lot of what this what this novel has behind it is the fact that Belzegar was treated badly by the humans who colonized it. Mm. Ah. And once again, dominant dominant society behaving badly, taking advantage of other people, not recognizing their culture and valuing it. So Holman's world, now renamed Belzagar, which is a, a native word for them, is occupied by two species called the Nildoror and the Suliduror. The Nildoror is the dominant species. They're the ones that our narrator, Edmund Gunderson, who was the essentially the governor of Holman's world about 10 years previously, when it was when humans decided at some point that realized that they were kind of screwing things up. So they more or less withdrew from the world and said, hey, you can have it back now. Uh, <laughs> so he is—he was the governor back then. He's come back to visit 10 years later because he carries a pretty heavy burden of guilt uh, for the fact that really did not fully recognize the Nildoror as a sentient species. They look very much like earth elephants. And part that's part of what plays into this is the fact that when he looked at them, he saw to his mind an animal. And even though he tried to treat them with respect, it was a condescending kind of respect. It was like, oh, here, you can you can understand our language and stuff. So we'll give you a bunch of books and tapes and information about what it means to be civilized like we are, rather than you have a society, let's learn about what your society is like. So he he's carrying this burden of guilt for that. And particularly because of seven Nildoror that he is aware of that he wronged badly. Because one of the interesting things, and there are many, many interesting things as far as species of life on this planet, not just the sentient and dominant ones, but all of the species of life. One of the things Silverberg is great at is creating that sort of detail. But the, the two dominant species undergo some process called the rebirth ceremony, which takes place in an isolated region of the planet. Very few humans ever saw it. No one quite knows exactly what's going on, but but they do know that Nildoror have to go through when they get to a certain degree of, of agedness they have to go and go through this rebirth ceremony and then they come back uh they will show up again later as young vigorous and nildoror and live out another lifetime well he compelled seven of them to to help with some emergency uh i forget exactly what it was but they they needed their labor they compelled he compelled them to work on this thing and they missed their opportunity for their rebirth ceremony which essentially condemned them to death or a species that is in large measure almost immortal, because as long as they go through the ceremony, every so often they can come back and, and live another lifetime. So Gunderson is journeying, he wants to visit the area where the rebirth ceremonies take place. He wants to learn about this. He wants to learn more about what it really means to be a Nildorar, And so he embarks on a journey and just in case the whole journey thing isn't enough to say, hey, we might be looking at a kind of a standard literary trope here. He's also looking for a figure, another guy that he left behind in the jungle, uh, who who to some degree went, just sort of went rogue from what was expected of people working for the human corporations that were running this place. And the guy he's looking for his name is Kurtz. What we have here is pretty much a, uh, Heart of darkness parody is not the right word it's not a parody in any respect but it takes heart of darkness as its its form and then sets it on a on
1: i a, have i have traumatic stress from reading heart of darkness <laughs> like that book almost <laughs> broke me
3: so uh gunderson goes up river as it were up continent and he encounters he learns more about the Nildoror. there's a lot of subtlety in the relationships For example, he is, the Nildoror. assign him a guide, basically, to accompany him, and they go through this whole issue early on because in order to make progress more quickly, the Nildoror can move a lot more quickly than human can walking through this forest, and the Nildoror has the strength for the human to ride on his back, but that's also the way you treat an animal, you ride on its back, so there's this back and forth about well, I don't wanna ride on your back because that's not proper. But if we wanna get there and not have it take forever, you'll ride on my back. So they kind of reach a compromise where he, he rides on the back of his, his guide until they get close to a Nildoror settlement and then he gets off and they walk in together so that there's not controversy generated. There is also a perfectly horrifying scene. There are a couple of perfectly horrifying scenes one in which they find two, a human couple who had been been chosen to stay behind when the world was repatriated. And they're essentially being used by this large sort of fungus-like thing that's hanging on the wall. They're in a deserted former power station. And this thing is using their bodies to hibernate, not hibernate, incubate its young. It's basically the scene from Alien, I was just going to say, 10, 12 years before Alien ever came out.
2: Uh, Hmm. That's a head scratcher. Yeah. It makes you wonder if maybe somebody read that first,
3: huh? uh, Could, could well be, could, it would be the sort of scene where some, I mean, it's, it's not identical by any means, but it's very, it's a very powerful scene and it's pretty similar. And, you know, people who are just barely conscious enough to beg you to kill them, so yeah, very similar to the alien scene. There are fascinating uh, animals. There's one he creates that's sort of it's a freeform flowing sort of thing and one of the women in the book, a former associate of the narrator's, wears it almost like a dress. It wraps around her and flows on and off and he get he gets a little weirded out by that so he finds she's like, "Do you want me to just go put on real clothes?" you know. <laughs> <laughs> But there's, it's a very interesting book in what it, yeah, how he develops as a character, how he plays out his penance, how he changes by becoming more aware of the Nilderer society and how how deep and just because a society is not technological, not industrial in any respect, does not mean it's not philosophical, it's not deep it's it's a it's a book about a coming to awareness and pretty interesting and like I said the narration by Bronson Pinchot is extremely well done so that is Downward to the Earth by Robert Silverberg
2: cool well now that I know it's on audio I just might have to pick that up all right friends I am going to review a book that was recommended during our Patreon call Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, it means that our Patreon members, once a month, we all get together on Zoom and basically talk about books. Mm -hmm. Well, during that call, Shona Lawrence was talking about a book that she had read, and I had tried two other books by this same author and didn't like either one of them. So I really... It wasn't even on my radar and she talked about it. So I went and picked it up and the book I'm going to review is called All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. So this book begins in a small town in the South and our main character is Titus and Titus is this town's first black sheriff. He grew up in the town And seemed to have been fairly, he had an okay childhood there, I guess. But he moved away and became an FBI agent. Well, we don't really hear much about why he's no longer an FBI agent until later in the story. Which I kind of liked because it didn't seem like this big secret or anything. But when it came out, you're like, whoa, okay. Okay. But the interesting thing about the book and the way it was put together is that there's a lot of tension in the beginning of the story because there are factions arguing about a Confederate statue. And so you have on one side a group of church people who are black and a young charismatic black preacher who, it, who are going up against these white supremacists, basically, who are wanting to keep their heritage up in the town square or wherever it is. So things are starting to get kind of nasty. And there's a, a march planned for this white supremacist group. Well, Right in the middle of all of it, the radio goes off and there's been a school shooting. So everybody races over to the school and they're figuring out what happened, you know, as the shooter comes out the front door. And it's this young black man who really doesn't fit the M.O. of a school shooter at all. He just and everybody who knows him is really, really shocked that he is the one that has done this. And he's shot a very popular, influential teacher who's been Mm -hmm. teaching there for years, got teacher of the year, the year before. And the kid comes out of the school and I wish I had written it down. I was scrolling the whole time Pat was doing your review, trying to find the passage where the kid comes out because he says something that, Makes them start to look into this teacher. Oh. So whatever he says before he he refuses to put down his weapon and he kind of lunges forward, even though he's not brandishing his weapon in a way that looks as if he's going to shoot anybody, the two white officers that are next to the sheriff immediately shoot him. So there's that whole thing. Yeah. So people are, you know, just based on a bunch of... It, it's probably the most... Like a suicide by
0: cop kind of thing? Mm, kind of sounds like I, it. I don't,
2: I don't know for sure if that's the way he intended it. He, he was a very conflicted young man, and based on what you find out later, that's the thing that makes more sense. The student who killed him or the person who killed him says something about his phone says oh, check his phone check, check his, his phone. phone gotcha so they discover not only text messages between the young man and but they see all these pictures and stuff and Ugh. videos on his phone it's just horrific stuff that actually shows him not only doing all the horrific stuff with these young black kids
1: but killing them wait what yeah yeah. Mm. He he actually But not they're not all from this town. Yeah. The uh, what the fuck? Yeah,
2: over the years there were just Jesus. people who who people, you know, when they're when kids are young and they're of a certain age, they're quote runaways. Right, right. And and that happens all today, the time. It happens it still. It happens today. all the time. Yeah. Because it's a very volatile population of young people and depending on what their home life is like and all of these other factors like drug use and you know it's it's complicated so these people have gone missing over the years and this has been going on for a really long time i it's would say ch- i'm shocked that if yeah. no one raised red flags but i'm not shocked so yeah so so th- they find all of this stuff and the the book is basically about that case okay so that case is enough to fill up a book but the fact that titus is the town's first black sheriff he's constantly being questioned and challenged by the oh, i can't remember if it's the town council or wh- whoever it is the city council. B- basically council. um they don't want him in there. It's always been a good old boy system. So all the stuff that's happened in the past has sort of just been sweeped under the carpet and the people who elected Titus are wanting him to act more forcefully on these things. So he's got both ends of it coming at him. I have to say this is one of the best books I've ever read.
1: Wow. It was
2: so good on so many different levels. It was the perfect pol- police procedural. It was a great serial killer case. The The character of Titus is such a strong, amazing, but yet flawed character. God damn, it was a good book. I mean, really good. Wow. that
1: This is three episodes in a row where Martha's given... The highest of praises. I don't know what's wrong with
2: me. But no, really, it was a really amazing fucking book. And I never would have read it if Shona hadn't given it such high praise. I said, well, and the interesting thing about our group here is that you guys have all heard me review books. You know what I like. You know what I hate. So I said to Shona, Shona am I going to hate this book? She said, no, you're going to love this book.
1: And she was right. She
2: was 100% right. It was a really fucking good book. So thank you, Shona, for knowing what I love. And thank you, S.A. Cosby, for writing the perfect fucking book. That was called All the Sinners Bleed by S.A. Cosby. Dang. (laughs) I know, right? I have no idea what's happening right
1: now. We bookended with two really depressing but culturally relevant books. I know this week. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on at this podcast. I mean, I read it. I read mine because it was it's the end of Native American Heritage yep, Month. Yep, yep. And I saved that book purposely for this month. Well, this one I just finished reading it. I mean, we just
2: had the thing on Sad Sunday. Sunday. Sunday
1: brunch. Sunday brunch. Sunday
2: brunch, we did the the call. Yeah. And I picked it up immediately because it was available at the library. And I I read nonstop and did not want to talk to anybody the entire time I was
1: reading this book. I was just (laughs) completely riveted. Which, by the way, we sort of did an ad. But if you want to become a Patreon member and help us raise money to pay for things like equipment and Zoom subscription fees. Yeah, it's all subscription fees these days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can join our Patreon. If you go to Patreon.com and search Three Book Girls, we should pop up can also find it on our link tree in different places but we would love to have you there's several levels so you can choose your your monthly contribution and the lowest
2: level gives you the zoom call and then if you go a little bit higher then you get to listen to the specially produced episodes and all of that stuff and we also sell
1: merch as well yeah redbubble they probably had some sales. We probably should have done a Redbubble. We should have. God and damn it.
2: I was going to put together maybe a even, new.
1: Maybe Cyber Monday. They'll have some. So go check Redbubble. There I, may be I guess deals. we better get
2: on it and see if we can get some something new up before then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and this is your ad portion brought to you by three book girls. <laughs> Here we are. Oh, and I Taylor texted me. The other day and told me that I was incorrect with the number of books she oh, has. Oh, yes, because we were
2: talking about the number of actual books you own that yes. you haven't read. Yes. And I said 500 and some odd books is a ridiculous number. That must be her total number of books.
1: And she texted. She did. so, And she has now bought 11 more books since last week. <laughs> <laughs> so her total now books owned is like 690 with the 11 she bought this week.
0: Are we saying that's not a lot? No, we're, no, we're saying, saying that's it a is a lot. lot
1: of the books that she hasn't read that she owns. And she has not read like 670 of those 690. In other words, she she's set for 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 a bit. She can do the avoid the store in twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty
0: seven, twenty eight. <laughs> I'm not even
1: gonna tell you that. No, I would only take. I
0: have on Kindle. It would,
2: no, that doesn't count. Copies. I don't
1: know if she counted. I don't know. Just, I don't know that if Taylor has count. Kindle or not. not we're were we were talking physical. We were talking physical books. I think. Uh, how, uh, Keith, what what is your number? How many unread books? I don't know. Uh, a lot. <laughs>
2: And when we started this podcast, Keith didn't own any books.
1: Uh, No, they were all. That's true.
2: Because I I remember we had a conversation about it. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and we were like. It
1: was
0: also Shona Lawrence's fault.
1: Yeah, because Shona was reading about like the power grid and like solar flares. Oh, and- that's, that's right. right. And I was and like, Keith if was like, happened, "Oh my god, I didn't have a Kindle, what would I do?" So now, if you could see Keith right now, she is surrounded by <laughs> full bookshelves <laughs> on all three sides of her chair. We're enablers. <laughs> okay. We are. Yeah, I'm shopping for books right now. <laughs>
3: I'm sure my count is a couple hundred. I don't even want to go try and.
1: Count. I did just realize though that I need to add Angeline Bully to my auto buy authors of my like authors that don't count towards your towards my like can't shop because I we picked some people who got to pick, a, like a handful of authors that it doesn't matter if I've bought a hundred books this year. I'm still buying this book. So I need to add Angelina a I just Bully. think
2: that's a hater's way of going about it, Megan. I should. I think we should be able to buy as many fucking books as I we
1: can, want. I can, but I'm going to owe the food bank a shit ton of money because that's who I'm going to have to donate to if I buy books before I'm allowed to, based on my own rules. Mm. which is I'm fine.
3: pre-ordering that. That's bookstore.
0: allowed. Matter of books, fact, but-
2: I'm going to go buy Leslie Jones's audiobook as soon as we get off
1: here.
0: <laughs> Target has buy two get one free.
1: Yeah, on yeah. books. On books. Till when? Uh-huh. Till Probably through the weekend, I would think. Through the weekend, I think. Yeah, yeah.
3: that's how Taylor oh, ended up with six too new late books. For anybody listening to this, then true. That's but why they, I'm
0: pre-ordering yeah. all my books that but I get.
1: Taylor girl 2 pre-orders and one free. Yeah, Taylor Taylor girl mathed her books out of the Target sale because she's like two of these were free. <laughs> And she used her Target card, so she got 5% it's, off. She really, on totally birthday weekends, so she's allowed to buy books. That's true. Birthday weekends are the ex- another exception. She
2: has the same birthday as Pat. Oh, happy birthday, yeah. Taylor. Oh, my God. We didn't even address happy, that elephant in the room. Happy birthday, Keith. Happy birthday, Pat and Keith. Yes.
1: Happy Keith. Happy birthday on
2: Sunday to Pat. <laughs> and happy belated birthday to Keith, whose birthday was on Thanksgiving.
1: Which your husband did the cooking, you said, yeah? Yep.
2: Sweet. So you know what's weird? We got two Pisces, true, right here, yeah. and then we got Keith and Pat that are both Sagittarius. Sagittariuses. Yeah. Vonnie's a Leo. Mr.
0: Keith's a Leo. Oh, Mr. Keith's a Leo too. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. You see, his birthday and Vonnie's are like two days ahead away oh, from probably. each other. What is it with
1: all that? I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It's like we're all just attracted to each other. We're all just, and the Pisces are both wearing purple today. Yeah. Pat, do you have on green or gray?
3: Actually, uh, it's purple. Oh, oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I got on purple, too. Well, it's just a lighter color. Yeah, I what don't about you, purple. Keith?
1: Where's your purple at? Yeah, she's got them. I don't purple wear on, purple. On Why? green. And yet we inundate her life with
0: it. <laughs> it's like. I suffer through it. <laughs> I was to date years
2: old when I realized you didn't like purple.
0: Yeah, I'm not into pastels.
2: This is not a pastel. This
0: pastel. Yeah, it's adjacent. It's a uh, It's I'm a not, grape. Uh, I'm not into girly colors. It's a Barney. Like a it's jar? a Barney purple. I'm like into neutral weird things. Why are you looking at me like that? How dare you? It is Barney it purple. It is a Barney it's purple. It's royal fucking I mean, purple. You can look at her, but it doesn't make it less true. Oh.
2: <laughs> now I'm totally disgusted and offended that I am being associated <laughs> with that asshole. And that's going to do it for Three Book Girls.
0: If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls Squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production.